Welcome to Thinking Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a better better global society. Well, if you're joining us live on Facebook, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are watching from. I am Nifemi Okutoye. Welcome to the Thinking Reimagined podcast. Let's talk about climate change and equality. I'm joined on this one by Ayomide Olaogun, future lady surveyor, Miss Abby, founder and executive director of Parties Junctions Live from London, and Dr. Anna, founder, executive director, Leave Abundantly. Hello, ladies. Good Hello, afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Good morning. Miss Abby, <laughs> good to see you again. All right, welcome, ladies. I call me blessed amongst women, right? This is happening again. I hope that you guys get more men in the next episode. All right, so the, the, the COP26 UN Climate Summit uh, met with some resistance from youth groups. We talked about um, the position of Greta Thunberg in the last episode, saying that the talks are a failure. We've also seen thousands descending on Glasgow for protests. However, we have seen many more countries this year pledging to protect nature uh, from the much talked about climate crisis. So as we speak now, over 130 countries covering 90% of the world's forests committed to halt forest loss uh, uh, forest loss by 2030. I want to begin with Ms. Abby. I asked in the last episode whether global climate talks like this one are really an effective method of you know, pushing for change and ultimately reducing emissions. Yes, I do. Good morning. Thank you for that question. Yes, I do think that um, these talks go a long way in Um, awakening people, informing people, re-energizing the um, campaign uh, for climate change. I I do believe that these, uh, the talks, uh, the the talks this year are very, very important because um, they have been widely publicized. Uh, The youth have been, as I said, energized and it's, it's all over the world, you know, the talks are all over the world. So a couple of weeks ago or last week, obviously the heads of states were being criticized for um, coming on private jets to the, to the meetings in Glasgow. You know, everyone's heard. I, I, I don't believe there's anyone that hasn't heard of the talks going on on climate change. And of course, Greta herself has made her opinions known, uh, regardless of whether she feels they go a long way in creating the change that she wants and a lot of people want, it does go a long way in um, bringing forth the conversation, bringing forth the conversation, letting people realize that there is this situation going on. Um, even at schools, you know, 
starting up the talks again, how we talk to children about deforestation, wildfires, uh, the emission of CO2, um, and, and so on. So I, I do think that they're, they're a positive way forward. Let me hear Dr. Amma's opinion out on this one. It appears to attend the goalpost every year. It's now 2016, talking about um, what many nations are looking at in cutting the use of coal. What do you feel about these conversations and how optimistic really are you? Well, thank you, Nifemi, for that question. And thank you to my fellow panelists. Um, you know, the talk about cutting emissions is, is very critical, but I actually want to focus on the issue of equal, equality um, in relation to climate change and recognizing the role that women play and women taking the seat at the table. Um, there was a day that was earmarked about two or three days ago that really focused on the issues of equality because we have to recognize the role that women play in the workplace and in the community. Um, the contributions that they make, as well as the fact that women are the major consumers in the world. And when you take that into consideration, it becomes very necessary, not only to educate global leaders as well as the youth and children in school on the issues of climate change, but recognizing that there needs to be a power shift, there needs to be an inclusive um, culture that um, allows women to take a seat at the table and talk about the effects of climate change on their lives. Um, we have seen through the recent pandemic that many women lost their jobs. Many women were forced to go home and take care of family members as opposed to being able to continue their employment. Um, we've also seen that um, if we do not act actively on, the, if we do not take active role in this matter, that women will then be re-relegated to the back seat. So it is important that investments be made to include women in areas of employment, in areas of health, in areas of education. Um, it is important to recognize that women are the general, um, the farmers, particularly in this part of the world. So making sure that access to the tools and the resources that they need in order to perform their work, um, either on the farm or in the corporate offices, it is necessary for us to have the discussion on equality. Um, you cannot talk about climate change without taking into consideration the sustainable development goals. So I am glad that that topic has come to the forefront and that it is being addressed wholeheartedly. I think we have Absolutely. lost I'm right here. I'm just soaking it all in, <laughs> Dr. Abba. Um, Ayobide, I think that what Dr. Abba is talking about is the fact that um, across societies, the impacts of climate change affect women and men differently. Um, the issue of extreme weather conditions, such as um, floods, as we know it in Nigeria, have um, a greater impact on the poor and vulnerable people. And the last check, about 70% of the world's poor are women. Um, I'd like you to talk to us from your vantage position. Uh, we've had conversations in the past as regard how unique your field is and how limited the women folk are um, in the path of um, surveying in Nigeria. 
But talk to us very quickly about um, the experience you have had personally in this regard. Uh, some, someone, someone did say that empowering women and advancing gender equality can indeed lead to a more um, environmentally friendly decision making, even at the household and national levels. So Ayomide, talk to us about um, gender equality, um, where you are and how you think that this is leading the change for um, climatic conditions as we currently have it. Good afternoon, everybody. Okay, thank you for having me. Well, actually, as surveyors and survey, survey students, I feel the climatic change affects us in the general manner it affects the whole population. But then when you decide to relate it to surveying as a profession, it all boils down to um, our instruments. Like it's, it's different when you take measurements and there is a vast change in temperature or, or say atmospheric pressure. You have to like apply certain changes, certain um, corrections to your data, to every data you acquire on the field. But when, you, when, you, when we decide to bring it back home and talk about how it affects us on a general scale, we talk about how, like, like Dr. Amos said, we women are a major, um, pardon me please, we take major roles in community development. So, ah, I'm stuck, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem at all, I, 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 mean, I think I understand that you are taking us first through uh, with um, how climate change affects um, or the relevance of what you do as a future surveyor to climate change. But what I was actually asking you was um, how gender equality is affecting your study as a future surveyor. Oh, yeah, oh, so I'd like oh. you to be comfortable to share with us um, the challenges perhaps you are facing, you know, taking your place in that field. Okay, thank you. I, I think I understand the question better now. Well, as future ladies of yours, like right now, right now in school, let me take you back to school because that is where I am right now. And in school, let's, let's paint a scenario of practicals and women taking the lead. The guides in, in, in every group, we have women and majorly, most women are not allowed to take leadership roles in every group work because they feel they cannot perform well enough like like the guys would because um it is said that surveying is the male a male a male's course and well they say it <laughs> it is not what it is well personally i i i don't allow that because <laughs> most of in most of my group works i take leadership positions and even when even when people are leaving it to just anybody i just decide on my own that okay this is what it is i have to take this role on my own and I, I guess I have answered your question. Absolutely, Ayomide. Absolutely, I think you did. Um, and I understand, I think I appreciate the fact that you're saying 
that you are not even creating the room in your mind um, to accept that this is not a few for ladies. Let me get to uh, Miss Abby very quickly. Um, I've had a lot of people say that if you care about the environment, then you should care about gender. Um, you know, I don't want your head to swear right now, but they say women are set to the active agents of conservation and restoration. I like the way Dr. Ama links this perfectly. But what are your thoughts about how this conversation can further, you know, engender inclusion when we look at um, leadership in Africa? For instance, they say that countries that have women in their parliament, uh, and this one will amaze you, are more likely to, you know, set aside protected land areas uh, and, you know, ratify some of these international um, treaties as it regards to the environment. I don't think we're talking a lot about this at all. Thank you for that, Nifemi. I've been um, dying to make my contribution about Mother Earth. So, um, um, as you may know, I, I teach quite a lot and um, I tend to personify things. So if I personify the Earth, our planet, I personify the Earth as a, as a woman, as a woman. So if we talk about Mother Earth, being a female, <laughs> nurturing and feeding and um, encouraging um, the earth to grow and uh, to be plentiful and to be sustainable, right? We're thinking also about the role women play in on our planet. Women can come together, you know, in this respect and, um, and push forward more, more than they have in the past. I say this because if we, even on the, on, on the grassroots level, on the grassroots level, when we're thinking about um, women doing women's work, women's work being farming, maybe, you know, of, of course, men farm as well, teaching, and even in other professions, women's work is considered maybe nursing uh, and so on. So we're in a prime position to actually educate, not just educate the children that we, that surround us, but educate everybody. So as a, as a female, you know, representative of Mother Earth, I feel it's actually our major, major concern. And it is our role to do this, to educate. Um, there was a video that um, I saw um, online with the children. Um, I think they were chanting the national anthem or the pledge, uh, almost knee deep in water. And really, my heart sank because um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to experience that yourself. You don't want the children to experience this. And, and this is all happening to Mother Earth. So, but the reality is, you know, it's a catch 22, you know, the, the need for the children to be educated, but, you know, in these terrible circumstances. So as responsible guardians of the earth, I would say that this is an opportunity for women to get together, set a new agenda, set different agendas, bring forward our strength um, in the area of equality and really you know, go to the grassroots as well to educate. I don't think we should uh, leave the conversation to you know, the, you know, the business enterprises and the large multinationals alone. I think a lot of work can be done in the grassroots as well. Mm. I would like to add something to that statement. Um, I don't distinguish work as male versus female. I think that work is work and women and men 
can take on roles of leadership. Women and men can be farmers. Women and men can be surveyors. Women and men can be um, CEOs or C-suite um, persons or be active members of the community. And women can be presidents and prime ministers. We've seen that occur, although with the very few that have reached that pinnacle um, in, on the African continent. I believe that diversity and inclusivity and equity is, is critical when we're speaking about the issues of climate or any other issue really. And um, women represent 50% of this world. Um, and even in the workplace as an imbalance, but if you try to balance it up globally, um, we have to recognize the important role that women play. And that role also necessitates the importance of equity and equality on all platforms. So they are policies in place, but if we do not implement those policies, if we do not stand fast um, ab about those policies being implemented fully, then we will continue to have this disparity that we see in terms of access to work, in terms of access to resources, in terms of access to education or health, or any of the other issues that we talk about. I am most concerned, like Miss Abby stated, about Mother Earth. Um, and I, I tend to describe it, and I think most people, except sometimes people say the fatherland, but it is the motherland. It is the land It is that gives rise to everything. So it is the motherland, it is the Mother Earth, it's Mother Nature. Those are the words that we use to describe nature because of what it gives and what it makes possible. So um, ensuring that we respect Mother Earth is very important. And I do believe, as Miss Abby stated earlier, that we need to start really in primary school. We need to start educating our children to recognize the importance of um, nurturing and um, respecting Mother Earth, but also the adverse effects of climate change. There is absolutely no surprise the number of activists that we have, um, or climate, environmental activists, and um, many of them are female. It's not a coincidence, I don't think so. But um, the work that they do, the work that we're all doing really must be supported by everyone. And that includes the male as well. So male, males, excuse me, males should support women in the work that they do and the need for mentoring and um, supporting and sponsoring women in the workplaces or in the community is absolutely critical so that they can be decision makers and they can participate in the process. Thank you. Uh, so, so, I, just wanted I, to add, I wanted to add something that um, when I did say women's work, I said this is what it's expected. I mean, we are trying so hard to get more men to be teachers. We're get, trying to get more men to be nurses. We're trying to get more women to be police women, you know. So um, my, I, I wanted to go back and explain something else that um, usually women are given the, the, the task of uh, you know, homemaking. And naturally, they're able to multitask and naturally they're able to recycle. I wanted to bring this in. They're able to recycle. They're able to stretch, you know, stretch their budgets, stretch whatever they're given in so many different ways. So naturally, it's, I think it's instinctive. And this is where we need to take the initiative. And we have started taking the initiative. The lady using the tires to re recycle tires to make furniture, 
the other lady using uh, recycled bottles and bags to make different things as well. You know, I think it's a natural instinct and we have to carry the men along. We have to explain and we have to work together. This is an area where I actually think we champion you know, because we don't know how we, we manage to do it, but we manage to do it. You see, there's so many children that don't even have enough to eat, you see, and unbelievably or not, they manage to get fed, you know, whether by compromise, whether by, you know, miracle, whichever way it is. Uh, we're given a huge responsibility. And I think this is the time for us to work together. And as Dr. Amma said, many, many advocates of climate change, the change makers in this in this area are women, and there's probably a reason why. Thank the you. two things I would like to respond to: um, first of all, we we don't multitask; we we shift our attention. Women are able to use their attention or shift their attention, but the idea of multitasking is actually um, a myth. It's a fallacy. Only about one percent of the entire world population can actually multitask. But what we do is we shift our attention. So women are able to shift their attention um, during the process of doing different things. But the idea or the concept of multitasking. It's actually, a, it's, it's a myth. Only 1% of the world can do that. The other thing you stated, Miss Abby, is that we have to carry the men along. It's a brilliant idea and I hope that it happens, but how many men have really carried the women along? And the men, as we see, every time we go onto a world stage, it's the men that are showing up. It's the men that are the global leaders. Only 49 of the global leaders are women. It is appalling. But even then, when you see them speaking, it's mostly the men. So let's encourage the men to carry the women along because the women are always carrying the men along. It's time for the men to take a role at carrying the women along. Let's talk and about- he has uh, something to say about that, don't you, Nifemi? Or are you going to brush that one over? Yes, I will take you up on fatherland or motherland later, Dr. Tama. But <laughs> let's talk about the role education has to play in all of this. Um, I would just like you to tell us if there's a lot happening in your school, in your curriculum about climate change, if you are being taught about the global warming, um, um, fossil fuel emissions, I'd like to know if it is part of your curriculum, uh, because, um, you know, the conversations we're having right now has a lot to do with how much information, you know, is at our fingertips. And um, perhaps you can just enlighten us if that is priority um, currently in your institution. Well, the direct answer to that is no. But, but the thing is, even here in school, we are advised to make researches on our own and learn more. We cannot learn everything in school and our lecturers cannot teach us everything. In fact, I'm very sure not all lecturers are aware of what's going on right now and so we are always advised to go on our own make researches be enlightened enlightened outside so that's i'm wondering um miss abby who's to blame here because um the last time we talked about this they did say that developing countries may not necessarily be making any significant contribution to global warming but they are at the receiving end. And there's a lot of money also that they've talked about during this um, um, COPS, COPS meeting year in, year out um, to be given to developing countries, which perhaps was going to help in all of this. Is it a function of, you know, 
global priority, or perhaps Nigeria is yet to tap into uh, um, this current global warming reality? I think it's a combination of factors, actually. I, I think um, there are many, many factors at play. The reality is the average man in Nigeria or woman in Nigeria is trying to make ends meet, is trying to survive. I really don't think climate change is the first thing on their mind. They're trying to get electricity in their homes, water running in their taps, food on the tables. You know, They're trying to keep their jobs. They're trying to educate their children. I, I think it's actually on the last, the book, if on their list at all of thoughts for the day. Unlike in the West where, you know, everything seems to work smoothly. So we can talk in schools about, oh, the recycling bin. We can talk in schools about explaining to children not to keep the tap running whilst they're brushing their teeth. The reality is, you know, for an average Nigerian, you don't keep the tap running when you're brushing your teeth. You put the water in a cup and then you, you know, you do your rinses. So the reality is Nigeria, if I speak for Nigeria, I can't speak for Africa as a whole. Um, it, it isn't a top priority in the education system because we're thinking about a lack of resources even to teach the basic, you know, subjects, max, the three R's, reading, writing, you know, and uh, reading, writing, arithmetic. So um, from that perspective, it's not something that would be in the curriculum because there are other more pending uh, topics and issues to teach. So for example, history, which isn't being taught at all, you know, um, is a problem because in order to understand the climate change, you have to look at the history. Why have we arrived where we are? You know, we've arrived here because of overpopulation, all sorts of things, you know, mismanagement of our planet. And so the mismanagement of our planet. So, but I do think in a city like Lagos, um, where, um, you know, we're quite fast paced and quite forward looking, we do need to teach um, these subjects in the curriculum, this situation in a curriculum, because I, I know that a lot of children will know in Lagos where Bar Beach is, they'll know where Badagri is, they'll know where all these places are, and they'll know the impact on the beaches of climate change. For example, in Bar Beach, I believe, you know, there's been so much pushback, so much sand filling, that there isn't a beach there anymore, if, if I'm correct. So they, they, they would, oh, yes, they would have to be taught um, implicitly anyway. You know, even if it's not explicitly about what's going on. But Miss Abby, is it any different in the UK where you are, particularly for younger children? Do they introduce studies about the environment very early where you are? They do. They do. I mean, from from birth, children are taught this is the recycling bin and this is the normal bin. That's the first thing. So you don't put cartons and bottles and cans in the normal bin. They know that there are two big bins outside. They know there's a, when they come to take the garbage and you know, children are fascinated with wheels, fire trucks, ambulances, uh, anything that has flashing lights and the, the garbage truck has flashing lights. So most babies actually know that that's the garbage truck, you know, and there's a recycle, there's one for the recycling bin and there's one for the normal bin. So from that basic concept of recycling, we're, we're teaching them, oh, we can use this again or we need to, this can be used by somebody else again. So, and then going on, we have to teach them about running, keeping the taps running, not to keep the taps running when they're brushing their teeth because it's a waste of water. Then obviously in school, they're taught about the pipes and the collection bins of the water, the rainwater, and they're taught so many things, you know, how to plant using the rainwater. It's part of the curriculum, actually. It's the responsibility of the school to teach. And also as parents, you know, in Canada, you actually find 
if you don't use your recycling bin. You're fined by the government because they've given you two bins. Why aren't you putting anything in the recycling bin? So, um, of course, this is the Western world. So it's a, it's a different thing altogether, but it is part of the curriculum. But Datama, Yes, I, I need to add something. Can I clarify something? We, we are, we're using the term the Western world, and I think we should use the term developing versus developed. That might be a better term because, you know, when you start saying the Western world, then what's the Eastern world and what's the Southern and Northern world? So we, we really need to use terms that are politically correct and more in tune. So developing and, and uh, developed world. Um, but before we move on to your next question, I do want to say this, climate change is occurring here in Nigeria and actually throughout the world. And we need to recognize that many of the practices that we have now in Nigeria, deforestation is part of the is going to affect us greatly in the long run. That is part of the issues we're dealing with, with climate change. Throwing the rubbish on the road. It is appalling when people finish drinking something and they just drop it on the ground and they move on. All of that is not only clogging the drainage and leading to flooding, but it's also waste that's not biodegradable. And if you can pick it up and recycle, it will make a, a, a great difference. Let's talk about the toileting in Nigeria. The fact that people are defecating in rivers, into streams, into the ocean, it's appalling. And that also affects climate change. Talk about the use of charcoal or just burning wood. That also is adding to greenhouse gases and the emissions. So there's so many things that are going on right now in Nigeria that are not being addressed and in the long run are going to affect um, how we live in this society. And we're in a global village. So what happens here affects everybody else. You can drive to Badagri, you can drive to Ghana, you can, and you will see rubbish that's come from Nigeria floating in their oceans, it moves. We're not in a stagnant world, we're all connected. And in that case, we must be responsible and that responsibility starts at home and it's also part of the educational system. I do want to say Ayomide who is here is part of the Live Abundantly Equality and Equity Scholarship Program. When I brought up the subject about two weeks ago about COP26, I was absolutely astounded that none of them, none of the six recipients knew anything about climate change or anything about COP26. And we're in the process of enlightening them and educating them and encouraging them to go out of that bubble of school and lectures to realize that there are other topics that are going on that are going to affect their work in the long run. So it does need to be part of the educational system and it also needs to be topics that we're discussing on a regular basis. I agree with you, Dr. Ayomide. I'm sure you're inspired. Perhaps you return to school now, um, being a change agent yourself as regards the environment. But Ms. Abi, I don't want to agree um, completely that we don't teach these things in school. Many of the things you talk about, my, my little girl returns from school to mention them at, uh, you know, at some point. Perhaps we just threw them away um, up the ladder. But what other ways do you think, um, I'm taking us back to the issue of equality now, what other ways do you think promoting gender equality um, can strengthen this issue of climate change? 
Thank you, Nifemi. I, I was speaking for the um, government schools, Nifemi, in terms of the education, because I, I do believe that private schools, because you're paying good money, should educate your children <laughs> on climate change. So I think I was speaking broadly in terms of the state schools, the children who were, you know, almost deep, knee deep in water, that sort of um, situation where the, the living and surviving is the key priority mm -hmm. rather than climate change. Um, Going back, I, I still stand firm uh, on my uh, beliefs, actually in my belief, sorry, that um, women have a great role to play, you know, in, in this. And again, using the word opportunity, okay? So yes, we've spoken about this in several, on, on several podcasts previously about, you know, the, the head of the home and all these things, you know, uh, but in terms of running the ship, you know, running the ship. Uh, I believe women naturally, naturally recycle, you know, whether it's clothing, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, turning a, a dress that is too uh, small for a child into a shirt, you know, those sort of things, you know, um, I, I wouldn't, I, in case, I don't want to incur the wrath of um, Dr. Amma by saying this is an inbuilt gift of a woman, but, um, but really, when it comes to um, setting the tone now of climate change, it is time for the women who are doing this wonderful work in recycling, for example, to come forward. It's time for women to, to speak because this is important to us and to our children, okay? Not saying it's not important for the men as well, but generally men tend to do rather than to speak. You know, so if we're looking for changes, we do have to appoint more women in more leadership roles um, globally, you know, in order to speak and carry forth, um, you know, the changes we need. There's no doubt at all, Ms. Abby, there's a growing body of evidence showing that um, women are generally more vulnerable to the negative impacts of climate change uh, than their male counterparts. And even if Dr. Ahmed doesn't believe it is inborn, perhaps it is a trait that has developed over the years, uh, given their experiences. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, the issue of climate change appears uh, to affect majority of the poor, 70% of them being women. Um, if you look at the data in developing countries. Um, now there's a new research uh, published in Nature Communications showing that empowering women through improved um, healthcare, education, even representation in government could help societies adapt more quickly and easily to impacts of a change in climate. Uh, Dr. Amadid mentioned earlier that um, conversation in this regard um, held during the COP26, I think it began sometime in 2015 in Paris. But I'd like us to um, answer the question whether, whether um, women are also more involved in you know, all of these conversations back here in Nigeria. We now know that it's important that we ensure an equal space you know, and resources for both women and men uh, to participate in climate change decision-making and action at all levels. But Dr. Tama, do you think that is the case here in Nigeria? Well, I, I want to make sure that I am understanding your question. Are you stating or, or asking if there's equal representation of women 
Is that is that asking. Asking they, yes? You're asking, asking if I think. I think yes. you know the answer to that question. If I mean, do you think that there's equal representation of women? How many well, women are? How many women are? I'm so sorry. Repeat that. If I'm looking at it from the prism of thinking reimagine, I've spoken only to women on this issue, so my my thoughts and judgment is beclouded right now. Uh -huh. Well, it shouldn't be, Nifemi, because I think you know the answer to that question. Women are not represented. There's a misrepresentation of women. There's tokenism given to the representation of women at the table. I mean, when I think about, um, and I and I don't like to you know, homing on just Nigeria because we are a global platform and we're speaking on a global platform. But since you are specifically about Nigeria, it is my understanding that the top level people that accompanied the president, the Buhari, to, um, to COP26, that there was only one woman. Any reason why? If 50% of this population is made up of women, why is it just one senior member of the government that accompanied him that was a female. I mean, if you really want to talk about equality and climate change and recognizing that 50% of your population are women and recognizing that women play a pivotal role in climate change, in government, well, they should play more role in government, but they're in the workforce and all of that, shouldn't you have better representation? It's the same scenario we had with the pandemic. We had a pandemic and it was just men sitting at the table and making rules and regulations without considering that there are women in the workforce. And it's those same women who were forced to leave their jobs globally, not just here, globally. It is the women who left their jobs to take care of the household, to take care of the elderly. Why is it that the men did not take on that role? I mean, I, I do recall somebody saying common sense roles a few recordings ago yeah some of these is common sense roles and if that's the case and everybody needs to recognize that when you're making decisions when you're making policies you should include women and ask them what is necessary for you to re be, be, remain a viable part of this conversation of this process it's not being done so nifemi before you even pose the question you knew the answer to the question and the reason why you've had more women coming on here, it's not because men were not invited to be part of this conversation. Many of the men that we invited simply said, I don't know anything about climate change. I can't speak about climate change. Why not? If you're an educated male and you're walking the streets and you're earning a salary or you're in school, I promise you, you can have a word about climate change. It's not a women's conversation. It is the people's conversation. All right, um, Ayomide, let's talk about the 2030 um, SDGs. The goal 13 talks about climate change. It, it specifically talks to um, the need to take urgent action to combat climate change and its impact. I, I think from the last conversation we had, not much of that has been done in the school where you are, but I want to turn your attention to target 13.3 that talks about improving education, awareness raising and human and institutional capacity on climate change mitigation, adaptation, impact reduction, and early warning. Is that a challenge you're considering taking, returning to school and, you know, perhaps running up on these issues and, um, you know, just raising some form of awareness on global warming? 
Okay. Okay. Well, I don't believe that would be an easy one. How do you mean? Okay. Okay. First and foremost, okay, we can. It's it's something that can be done. Like we can start from the department level where we have just a hundred students and okay, a few hundred students. So okay, it can be done. It can be done. Actually, I think I can. the first place to start is just um, being a little bit more inquisitive on these issues. You know, reading up on them, identifying what the challenges are, and then perhaps you can just pick one or two things that can inspire you. And, and then you have a lot of resources to pick from, even from here. Uh, we also spoke to some two female environmentalists on the episode um, yeah. last time who can also guard you through. I think it's something you should think about. Miss yeah. Abby, we're wrapping up now. Let's talk about how we can improve education in this light, uh, particularly how women can be more involved because um, data seems to say that whatever women touch now turns gold and if we can get them to be passionate about this then we can reach more people what are you guys doing <laughs> can you mute yourself okay so um i want to address the education uh part of the question first so in terms of education, I know that um, over the years I've encouraged schools like I did uh, to set up a green society, just called the, just like we have um, art society or you have, uh, you know, the science, uh, uh, extracurricular activity groups in science or in art or in music, just to start up a green society where children come together and they pick a topic each week, you know, whether it's deforestation, whether it's, um, um, recycling, whether it's wildfires, whatever it is, you know, they pick a topic and they call their little organization the Green Society. It doesn't have to be led by a teacher per se, but it can be overseen by a teacher. So in terms of um, Ayomide starting up something at school, you could call it the Green Society, the Environmental Society. Just get a few of your friends together, start looking into different topics, you know, um, that concern mother, mother nature, mother earth. And you start from there. At home, I, I do believe that, um, you know, it's high time that we don't let uh, the men get go scot-free with uh, not answering to the damage they also cause um, on our planet. Um, I believe that, you know, we're all part of the, you know, the ecosystem and we all have to reserve and preserve the ecosystem. So I think, you know, I've said it over and over again that women can speak about climate change very, very clearly, very, very easily. But I do think that because there's so many gaps, you know, there's so many gaps in leadership when it comes to climate change, it's, it's a position that could be well-filled. You know, I, my mind goes to even catering, you know, in the catering industry where it's so important to talk to them about, you know, what they use to cook. You know, it's so important that women speak up, especially the women that are in the know to, to guide the other women, because I'm sure if they realize this, what the statistics are, they will also be shocked. I mean, Greta is very good at saying that this planet will be no more in X number of years. She's very good at explaining that, look, the zebras will be extinct. You know, even monkeys will be extinct. 
sooner or later we'll have no more dogs or cats. In fact, we'll have no more meat to eat. The reality is that some university students here are now campaigning against the consumption of meat because they believe that the rearing of meat is so um, uh, fuel intensive, you know, so fuel intensive uh, that we, we shouldn't consume meat anymore. So if we go through the statistics and we educate people on the statistics, actually as boldly as Greta has done, I think it'll become more of a reality as well. And if we think back, I think back of when I was much younger and there were antelopes in Bagada. You know, I'd go and see my aunties and there were, they were you know, antelopes in Bagada as pets, like dogs were. It wasn't um, a rare thing to see. I don't know, Ayomide, have you seen an antelope before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a tortoise? Have you seen a tortoise before? Yes, it is. So it's not so bad then. But the reality is, it's it's a given fact that if we don't do what we need to do, our children will not see our children's children's children. The future generations will think uh, will think of dogs as dinosaurs, so to speak. We'll think of you know all these animals as dinosaurs. So. Um, we need to we need to carry everyone forward together. Absolutely, Miss Abby, uh, Dr. Ama. We saw our own president, President Mohammed Buhari, at the conference of the parties, talking about Nigeria's commit, uh, commitment to uh, net zero carbon emission by 2060, but is advocating gas as the transition fuel uh, between now and then. The challenge with gas is that it's become uh, very expensive uh, for many average Nigerians and that might drive them immediately back to coal and you know even wood so it means that get ready to lose some more some more trees in the forest if the price of gas keeps going on it's been increased for up to 50 percent now in the past six months and we're hearing that the figures uh, might even go higher as we count down to Christmas so what are your final thoughts on this one uh, particularly as it regards what Nigerians can do irrespective of their realities. You know, Nifemi, um, here are my thoughts. We need to rethink how we live, how we do things, how we, how we connect with our environment, whether it's people, whether it's the trees, whether it's the animals. We really need to rethink all of this. We also need to repurpose how we do things and how we interrelate, because I find that until we repurpose our businesses, our educational structure and the like, we're not going to advance into a place where we're at an equitable level with the international world or even amongst ourselves. So that is going to be critical. And I also think we need to retool our lives. I mean, when you think about all of the tools that we have that we use to, to exist and to interact and um, do the work we have. And when I speak of work, going to school for me is work because we're teaching children and preparing children for the workforce in the long run. So that also needs to be in better alignment. If we do not take care of ourselves, and our environment, as Miss Abby said, some of the things that we have taken for granted will be extinct in no time. And our children will struggle with health issues, with food security issues, with poverty and, and the likes. So it is very critical that as a people, 
whether individually, collectively in small groups. And I thank you for encouraging Ayomide to go back to her school and start to do things with her schoolmates because her age group really holds the key to the future and they need to take this seriously. How is climate change going to affect their lives? Whether it's in, at the work, in the workforce or at home, it's very critical and we must collectively come together to um, make it more sustainable world. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. I am Laogo, future lady Sovea, Ms. Abi, founder executive director, parties, Dr. Anna, executive director, Lieber Bondley. Thank you so much for your contribution on this one. One thing is sure, our world is getting warmer uh, because of fossil fuel emissions by humans and something has to be done urgently. Our ice caps are melting, the sea levels are rising, there is flooding. Um, in some parts of our country, uh, farmers' eddies clashes is getting more terrible by the day, and we can all point fingers to climate change. We all must rise up now and do something about it. I'm Nifemi Ogunthoi. Join us again, and we'll be back with lots more for you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast. And welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society. society.